0: I'm Robbie McDonald,
1: And I'm Jordan Lane.
0: We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife.
1: Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD.
0: This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD.
1: While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process.
0: We are not experts. Simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife.
1: If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. The line is moving. I got I got audio spikes.
0: <laughs> yes, we have all the spikes and I don't see too much red on mine, so that's good. I'm um, yeah excellent nice how are you i feel like every time we don't record for two weeks it feels like a long time
1: oh it's been three weeks my friend this is uh i think the longest break we've ever taken so really Mm mm-hmm
0: how did that work
1: Uh, just, just, we've been, we've been busy folks. It's been, uh, it's been, I think a busy month for both of us between, uh, you know, we're both still in the throes of a job hunt, although I'm going to get an update from you on that in a moment here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, and then I've been, uh, doing, uh, the film stuff. So that's been eating Mm. up my weekends, of course. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a busy, busy time of year.
0: <laughs> that, that is very true, actually. And I think what we did, because we have recorded to when you were in Vancouver and then mm-hmm. I kind of spaced it out a little bit. And then, yeah, last week we were going to record and then I wasn't feeling so groovy. And then, yeah. And, and the course that I'm taking to because it's on Tuesday and Thursday mornings and the, it's, uh three hours that are can be really intense and it takes some processing and I had it today but I'm better than I usually am after that nice (laughs) so that's that's good news yeah um yeah
1: but yeah I I think you're right though it 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 really like oh yeah it it feels like um like we've got a little bit of catching up to do um Mm -hmm. but yeah so so I'm I'm looking for work right now and you as I recall had an interview a week and a half or something ago how'd that go
0: Yes, I did. It was last Thursday, and it went what I, I felt at the time, like a, a good feeling. Um, I really liked them. It was my second time doing kind of a panel interview, right? And I mm. and I had never interviewed on Zoom up until that point, well, up to one interview before that. So, uh, very uh, different environment for me, And um, but I really, I, I mean, I absolutely admire the work that they're doing, so that helps, but that they, the structure of how they're getting rolling is they're forming it as they go, because they're a pretty new organization. Mm. So they don't have baked in um, hierarchies that a lot of nonprofits have kind of had to fall into just by virtue of necessity. Um, is that even a turn of phrase, virtue of necessity? That sounds like sure. a contradiction. But anyway. but How about how, um, by
1: dint of necessity?
0: That's probably better. Yeah. Um. So that is really exciting to me in that they're they're coming from a decolonizing place and uh, not looking so much at, um, yeah, doing things. I saw something, I think it was yesterday, some article about, you know, how a lot of nonprofits are like, show us how to make things better. And we're going to consult you, all you like first line folks who are doing all the hard work for like no money <laughs> and then they do a consultation and then they go not like that and then they like pay some expensive consultant who's like a friend of a board member to come in and do everything so they don't do that they actually right. they actually have um like a, a an advisory council of of folks with lived experience so that gets me right in the heart because that tells me that it isn't just somebody padding their resume, joining a nonprofit board. So right. Um, second interview scheduled next week that I got that nice. note this morning. So um, fingers crossed. And um, yeah, it, it feels good to kind of be getting back into that flow yeah. again after kind of just sort of recovering from the trauma of my last job for over a year. Yeah. Yep. And what about you? You said you're kind of, are you, what, what's going on with the film? I've been seeing your pictures on Instagram and kind of appreciating all that.
1: Well, uh, we just wrapped up Principal Photography on Sunday. Um, and so like for, uh, this is all, this is new language to me too. So don't, uh, I don't want the audience to feel like uh, I'm an old head talking this jargon above their heads because this is all fucking new to me too. So Principal <laughs> to Photography, as I understand it, is when the main stuff is all shot all the stuff with actors involved and all those kinds of things and then so um so this is a sci-fi film so the next couple weeks are going to be miniatures uh so I'm still helping out with that stuff but still in a script super and uh slating capacity but obviously not wardrobe because it's just foam rubber spaceships from here on out so
0: (laughs) (laughs) foam rubber spaceships I love Mm -hmm. it wow so yeah you kind of got a crash course in uh how to be on a film set. And you are, yeah, it sounds to me you're, like you're speaking the jargon better than I ever did. Like I only did like a couple <laughs> films, but I was always like, what? What do you mean? What is that? What? Like I was like, yeah, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, what's the word? Download or grasp a lot of the terms. Like jargon for me is, is challenging on a good day in just about any sector, I find. It's just yeah. like, just say the word of what you're doing. Why does <laughs> it have to be this acronym all the time? That used to drive me nuts at my old job. What's the uh, MVP MVP, most valuable player?
1: Yeah, no. Oh, the minimum viable uh, product, right? But
0: that's it. And I had never, like, so people were using shit like that. And I was like, okay, why don't you just say, like, we're going to make something shitty.
1: A prototype. <laughs> we, we already have a word for these things. And it's it's just the same way that that, that people in, in tech startups seem to reinvent the idea of the bus every 10 years. It's just like, oh, these, these words aren't good enough. Like, we got we to fucking make up our own that are like, less precise and annoying <laughs> but like at least at least not everybody knows them so we've got our shibboleths
0: <laughs> right, yeah and then we can just yeah walk down the hallways going wop, 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 and yeah. Um,
1: but yeah um the other thing that was kind mm-hmm. of uh, a little bit of took a little bit of getting used to but was kind of fun for me um was uh Crash coursing myself in the uh, the NATO phonetic alphabet um, for for slating purposes, uh, remembering my my Alpha Bravo Charlie Delta Echo whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, Cause yeah, like like it's it's always about when you get an instruction confirming that. So like copy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got you got to say copy whatever, copy lights sixty percent, uh, copy gonna move this boom over here, blah blah blah, this kind of stuff, just so you can't see each other, but everybody still knows that the stuff that needs to get, get done is getting done. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I do, I think really well in terms of like picking up, um, picking up stuff by context clues. And it's usually pretty easy to figure out what jargon means for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's like, that was a fairly quick, uh, adaptation for me, but definitely something I haven't had to do for a long time is like learn some new, some new work vocabulary. (laughs)
0: no uh, yeah yeah I remember some of the terms I remember are things like sound speed and I was like what is yep. that what oh and then because there would be like sort of a three-level process before yes. um, things you know action was being called or whatever yeah
1: it yeah. was sound uh, uh cue sound sound speed uh camera rolling frame action
0: there you go amazing yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah and learning about like oh well tail slating and what is like MOS and all this other kind of stuff. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's fun. I like, I like the learning component of that stuff. Um, you know, as, mm-hmm. as ADHDers do, uh, if, if it's something that we're interested in, we can pick up an awful lot about it really fast and then mm-hmm. and, and learn fast. And that was certainly the case for me where like, this is interesting to me. I'm, um, I'm, I'm the greenhorn on the crew. Uh, and, and so I just recognize that like, These are people that have a lot more experience than you. And, you know, um, uh, yeah, I I think I think that what helped me a lot, too, was um, being it it, it helps a lot that I'm almost 40 and doing this stuff for the first time uh, rather than being 20, um, because I think that that a younger version of myself would have taken not you know, not not falling out of the womb with a head full of film knowledge already as, like, I would have taken that really personally when, like, I fucked up something and got, like, a little bit straightened out or whatever on set, and it was just like, okay, no, like, I understand why, like, you know, you're being a little bit brusque or whatever because every time something like this happens, it does, it, it creates standby for four or five people or whatever, and that's that's money at the end of the day. Mm. Um, But at the same time, like, I, that's the sort of thing that I would have beat myself up for, for not being perfect at something out of the gate. But it was, it was a lot easier for me to, to not take that stuff personally. You know, when I, when I did mess up, not, not to get in a funk about it, but just like, right, that is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And I'll make sure to correct that next time. And just like, you know, um, yeah, I I was, I was, I was pretty level-headed the whole time, even under the stressful situations, which, which, yeah, is, is good. And I think is, is growth on my part. So Mm
0: Yeah, it's so cool to hear you say that. Because yeah, I I didn't do well when I was in that scenario. But like the, you know, aside from directing my own piece, when I was surrounded by people who knew what the fuck they were doing. So um, I wasn't under I mean, I was under pressure, but uh, it wasn't that bad. But it was when I was kind of an underling on a TV show that everybody knew what the fuck they were doing. And I was in a in a role that was kind of felt like almost designed to be screamed at or something. I don't know. <laughs> what well, was, was that, PA? Kind of... yeah, PA? Yeah,
1: PA. Yeah, okay. So production assistants are like, yeah, they're they're the interns of the of the film world. Go get this, go get that. Right. Fucking do this. Take, yeah. get, pick up my car from the mechanics. <laughs> right. And as,
0: as, a, as a, even then, like a mature woman who had just moved to Vancouver, I was like, are you really speaking to me that way? <laughs> like, I'm not okay with this. Like, even as somebody who... Um, doesn't always push back. I remember thinking like, this is shocking. Like, I just, I'm not okay. But it is also, um, aside from like how structures of films generally do work, there is a vast difference in the tone and culture of film sets, depending on the director and producer and the funding. Mm-hmm. I will say that. So um, a lot of films that are helmed by a combination of different folks, like whether that be through gender or race or whatever it is, lived experience, those films tend to be a little bit better to work on because people are more understanding and respectful, don't scream as much. But, you you know, if you're working on a set like Supernatural, which I did, which was helmed by a bunch of privileged middle-aged white guys who were used to getting their way, there's a lot of screaming and, and toxic bullshit. Like, yeah. Um, and that was a massive turnoff for me. Uh, and I never did it again after that, but you know, once I, you know, met and started teaming up with people who were doing the work, but also doing it from a place of deep respect, that was different. Yeah. It's a completely different experience. Yeah.
1: How, how long did you, did you work on that set for?
0: Oh, one day. That was it. it (laughs) Nice. Like I literally, um, I showed up and. Uh, I was out in some parking lot somewhere and moving cones around. I don't know. I had to move cones around. And I guess all the teamsters showed up with the equipment and I didn't put the cones in exactly the right place. So this big burly guy came out and screamed at me and started kicking the cones around. This was at quarter to seven in the morning. And then Uh, there was a food truck like and food and breakfast set up. So I was like, great. So I'm going to get some protein. And I sat down to get some protein and somebody was like, you're not allowed to sit there and you got to go over here. And I was like, ah, fuck. And so I wasn't even allowed to like sit and have breakfast after I just got screamed at. So I already had like a wobbly chin and I was like, okay. And then somebody's like on the walkie talkie, like, where the fuck is the PA? We're supposed to be down at this place. And why isn't she here? And I was like, oh my God. And then I run into like this van that's taking everybody to this place. And I get in the van. And there's somebody from the film crew and somebody else, like a grip or something, saying the most derogatory things about women's bodies and like monthly cycles. Like I was just like gobsmacked. I just didn't even know what to say. And the other PA and I, and she was like 21, are like in the backseat, just kind of going, is this actually happening? Like the, the men are in the front and they're talking about women's menstrual cycles as if it's like the worst thing in the world. And there's two women sitting what the fuck is even happening and i remember just thinking like this is the worst like i will never do this again and then i had like still had like 14 hours ahead of me at that point in the day yeah um and i just kind of retreated inside myself and just spent most of the day being really really quiet i chatted with a few different people um but it was like pushing midnight and um i think somebody ordered pizza for us and at that point i had already been screamed at because we were filming on Main Street near the downtown east side and I had to kind of secure a sidewalk so people wouldn't walk into the the, the scene.
1: In the frame, yeah.
0: And of course, for those that don't know that area of Vancouver, there are a lot of people who are um unhoused, a lot of people struggling with addictions and uh, it's quite chaotic. So there isn't gonna be there wasn't any reasoning with people and there were a couple times when people just were like, Fuck you lady, I'm walking into the set and I was like <laughs> I like, and I'm the kind of person who's like, this person has the absolute right to do that, right? And then I got screamed at again. I was like, whatever. But they cut us off. I think at like 11, actually, because they would have had to pay us overtime, even though we'd already been there for 14 hours right. or something. For us. <laughs> it was the worst. And I remember just getting home and lying in my bed, just going, why did I think that was a smart idea? I thought I was going to be able to learn. I thought I might be able to even like shadow a director or do something. Nope none of that just like move these pillars around and you eat when we say you're going to eat and don't sit down while you're doing it and just awful um,
1: to be honest that was kind of that, that that was part of that last aspect was part of what i actually have enjoyed about the last month is is that i'm for once like it's it's rare for me in my life and especially in the last couple years because it's just been me to be in a position where i'm not the decision maker um, mm. and to be honest, I kind of relished that, that freedom of just like, I know that I'm going to show up at eight every day and I know that I'm going to leave at six every day. And the rest of it is Nick's problem. <laughs> like, like I'm, mm. I'm there to help out however I can and, and do that stuff. But it's, you know, all of none, none, none of the decisions are mine to make. None of the problems are mine to solve. Um, mm. And it's just kind of like getting ordered around, uh, which like I don't mind sometimes, and and certainly you know if it's if, as I was saying, if I get along with the people, um, the the work itself doesn't matter that much, and and even kind of like the I'm not going to say lack of agency because that makes it sound like like a, it's a far worse situation than it is, but it's not it's not the decision making position, and and yeah, I actually kind of have enjoyed that of just like. Yeah, just show up and like someone will tell me what to do and someone will tell mm. me when it's lunchtime and catering shows up and it's there. And I don't have to think about what I have to pack for lunch that day because mm. some other person decided it's lasagna and just like all these other things just kind of like, oh, this is nice. Like, like it, it feels like going along on rails to a certain degree. Um, and yeah, and I, I kind of I kind of at the risk of sounding like a submissive I kind of relished giving up my control in Mm. that way so
0: (laughs) I think when you're on a really good set like that like where yeah where everything is like super clear and um that was the one thing I really enjoyed like when I worked on Lloyd the Conqueror too it was like I was doing photography on that so I had a lot more kind of freedom of movement and I could just sort of do what I wanted and I was just you know and I was with the with the camera crew right mm-hmm. trying to get the shots and stuff so that was a lot more interesting but yeah the idea is just like okay we're breaking for lunch at this time and everybody go eat and you know 10 a.m the guy with the hot dogs is coming around while we're in some <laughs> field somewhere it's like okay we're having hot dogs at 10 o'clock in the morning fine <laughs> um but yeah I did like that I liked that um it's one of the things that I thought at first was quite romantic about film sets is you just show up and and your needs are met in terms of food and stuff. I think a lot more employers Mm -hmm. could learn from that instead of of forcing people to bring their own food. Like if you just have a place where people just know they don't have to think about all that stuff or like go get fast food or whatever it is. Um, Yeah. But yeah, please no screaming at the PA. Any film folks out there, don't scream at the PAs. They're struggling. Jesus.
1: (laughs) So going back to that for one more sec before we get off it, Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, did you ever watch the TV show Supernatural? No, no. So, it's it's funny, because it just actually, this came up uh, last week when I was talking with these guys, um, and yeah, uh, I, I actually kind of, I liked that show, um, I watched the first probably five seasons or so, it's extremely campy, it's not like, it's not particularly clever, you can kind of see all the plot points coming from a mile away, but it was a lot of fun, and it reminded me of, like, early X-Files to a degree, uh-huh. Um but yeah, uh, I just I, I have I have an impersonation of that show that I could do, but you wouldn't get it. So it's kind of lost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think our listeners might appreciate it? Do you want to do it? You know again?
1: what? Maybe um, I'm going to move the microphone away from my face because it involves a little bit of yelling. Okay. Um, so so basically the 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 I'll, I'll move back closer for a sec. So the overall arc of Supernatural is these two brothers who are like demon hunters Uh, This is the family profession handed down from their father who disappeared a long time ago. So it's basically the two of them acting as each other's support Party of Five style while they look for dad and hunt demons. And uh, the characters' names are Sam and Dean. And this is, it's basically nine seasons of... Sammy! Dean! Sammy! Dean! Sammy! Where's dad? Sammy! And that's like, yeah, that—that's my my nutshell impression of uh, of nine seasons of Supernatural.
0: <laughs> ah, Misha, so Misha Barton is
1: also great on it, though. So. Oh
0: my goodness, I can't. I don't even know what season it was that I worked on that one awful, horrible day. But yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I knew it had. I knew kind of what the big premise is. Maybe that was part of it too. I didn't really give that many fucks about the show, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's good to kind of have those sort of. Those those work experiences from time to time. I I don't wish them on anybody, but sometimes it is kind of a wake up call, right? It's like I'm not in the place that I'm meant to be, and you know.
1: I had, I had one of those. the the one job that I have lasted exactly one day at was telemarketing. Hmm. I fucking bounced on that at the first opportunity because I was did not want to get screamed at. <laughs> you okay, like because and, and I know what I'm doing. I'm calling during dinner hour because that's when everybody's fucking home. This was pre cell phone days. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, and so it's like that's that's what i'm trying to do to maximize uh, uh my times utility and of course that's the time that nobody wants to get a fucking phone call and so like yeah i just i just got you know just yelled at all day no sales and of course it was a, a a commission job so I didn't make any money at the end of that day either oh. and I was just like okay fuck it I'm done like <laughs> yeah
0: no that's not yeah yeah I feel I you know I've done telemarketing actually a couple days de- a couple times in my life like when I was in high school and then when I first got to it actually wasn't telemarketing it was like inbound so it was people just like "Okay, oh, yeah I yeah, can't yeah. get into Support my account line. yeah right and I was like like wanting to help people get into their account but like also not wanting to be their therapist. You yeah. Know? But um, <laughs> Yeah. And then there was this whole thing with like, it was like a province of British Columbia, something or other people had to get hunting licenses. And there oh. was a distinct difference between the folks that were um, hunting as part of their sort of culture or like, you know, for subsistence for actual food to hunt something that they would be providing food for their community with. And those that were hunting for a trophy and sport, big difference in how those phone calls went like (laughs) enormous, like, and I was just, I was so stressed by the end of it that, um, that was, that was, I think I was there almost a year actually.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: it's not something that's on my resume. I don't really talk about it publicly (laughs) because it's like, yeah, that was just like a survival job. Right. Um, and it had benefits, which were not very good benefits, but whatever. That's why I did it. Um, and yeah, I just, I remember like thinking to myself, like, how can these... How can someone be so entitled that they actually think that this thing that's a barrier for them to like, not, not harvesting an animal for, for food, but like murdering an animal for sport. Like there's such a big difference. And like the whole mindset around that was just, yeah, it was quite distressing for me. Um, And I remember, yeah, it was kind of (laughs) hard, but I was glad when I got, when I got out of there and it was like, when my hearing was really starting to go. So I kind of had like an excellent medical reason for not being able to do it mm, anymore. It's mm. like, I can't actually hear half of what these fuckers are saying. So I can't do this job anymore. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it is, it's kind of interesting what we'll do, like when, you know, um, necessity sort of forces you there. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, when we were texting you and I about, Hey, what are we were going to talk about, we were going to reflect on like this last year. um, of how this has been. Like, I was diagnosed a year ago this week last mm, year. Wow. Um, and it was my birthday yesterday. It was my Vancouverversary Happy yesterday. Birthday. Thank you. Um, and just a lot of different things kind of swirling around right now. But I just think it... And because you... You had sort of known about it before with your diagnosis, and then you circled back to it. Yeah,
1: I, I had suspected, but again, kind of kicked that can down the road because I was dealing with the depression thing, um, which is still true. But um, mm. but yeah, I, 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 I'm about a year or two. I want to say I was like early November or something like that was when I kind of got the confirmation and started... Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the medication I'm on. Concerta. <laughs> Thank you, Concerta. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, we're we're heading up on on well, past for you for both of us now a year, and we just haven't talked in in a few weeks, so we haven't had a time to kind of process all that stuff. So, I guess, um, I guess, mm-hmm. how are you feeling?
0: Um, I think yeah, there's a lot going on. It's so a lot to process. It was Vancouverversary, the year of this. I quit drinking a year ago. Birthday. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, climate catastrophe. I mean, it's like uh, kind of overwhelming. Um, is something that Shani Nicholas, I don't know if uh, folks are here familiar with her. She. Uh, You've
1: brought her up on the show before, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Anyway, she sent an email out about something, and I think like the Sagittarius, which is my sign... It was something to the effect of like, it's okay to grieve and celebrate at the same time. And that's just kind of sitting with me right now, like that idea that I need to kind of grab joy where I can get it um, because there is so much happening right now. Um, And also like, you know, realizing that, yeah, so it's been a year and so much has changed and I feel like in my life, like my, I feel like my perspective is shifting. And I'm also thinking about somebody that somebody's something that somebody said to me once, like the world changes so fast, but I change so slow. And I feel like that's kind of true for me right now too. It's like, so I've got, you know, this awareness of um, this way that my brain works. Um, and yet I still struggle to let go of some of the things that kind of keep me back, but I feel like I'm moving yep. forward. But every now and then this kind of wave will hit me. And in class this morning with the community capacity building, uh we were talking about money and it was like a huge thing for everybody. Um and oh my God, I just totally lost my train of thought because I looked at the calendar. Why did I do that? Um, <laughs> um uh that we were talking about money we were talking about um Moving forward, and somebody brought up the woman who was hosting it. She's this incredible person, Chantel. Uh, she said that she had problems with male authority, mm. and she used to work in finance. And, of course, everybody at the top was mostly male. And a light bulb went on for me, like, bing. And I was like, oh. Like, when I reflect back on previous employment situations that were mostly, like, male authority figures and how – I would almost always find a way like to push back against that or I would shut down or she said there's a part of your brain when you have a, like a cognitive challenge. And I think with ADHD, it's even more pronounced where your frontal, your frontal cortex just gets shut down and you go into this kind of either the fight, flight or fawn, but then there's the one before that, um, and you can actually lose your words. And that has often mm. happened to me in high pressure situations that are male dominated. I can't say what I mean to say, or my words get jumbled, like they get all backwards. Um, and I realized that at my former place of work, like everybody in senior management was a male, the person who was causing me the most distress of my day to day was male. And he was like an asshole, and a bully. So on top of like, me trying to figure out how to do my job well, I couldn't, I couldn't communicate properly. And it's just like, oh, and then towards the end of her sharing, there's a couple of different people in the cohort who identify as having ADHD as well. And they were like, hands up, like, how do I, what, what do we do about this? Right? And I was like, yeah, we need to like, figure this out. But I guess that is kind of where I'm sitting today is this understanding that, yeah, sure, like toxic environments are one thing. But I think that I didn't, if I had known at that time, then maybe I could have coped differently. But at the same time, maybe I couldn't, like, maybe my brain still would have shut down and I would have, um, still had the same problems that I had. Right. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's, a, there's a lot, um, going on. I'm trying to not take it all on at the same time. Cause I know I do that sometimes I'm trying to sit in my body more, look at things more from the somatic perspective. She brought up the vagus nerve um, Mm, as mm. a really important part of uh, calming our nervous system before we go into difficult situations. And yeah, I feel like that's one of the biggest learnings for me this year is the vagus Mm. nerve stuff is like how to tap in somatically. Because I'm up here all the time. And in my my gut, like my stomach hurts all the time when I get stressed out and I can't digest my food and Yeah. So that's just kind of like first response to that kind of question of like, what's the last year been like? What about you, Jordan Lane?
1: Well, um, it's funny because I, where where I am kind of this year with like reflecting on it is, is um, kind of pinballing back and forth uh, between like, holy shit, I did a lot of stuff this year. And that's like really cool. And then like, Right, but I made almost no money doing all of it. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's that's like really tough because, um, yeah, I just i I accept that, like right now, um things aren't things aren't paying my bills. I gotta fucking find work period. Uh, so that's like, you know, i' I've accepted that, um, but it's it's obviously not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I just i just um i'm I'm really kind of having trouble leaving that, uh, aside or, or not, not taking that as a sign of failure on my part. Mm -hmm. Um, because my tendency is to give up before I see things through. Um, and especially like, you know, if something doesn't go well for me straight out of the gate, it's like, okay, well fuck that thing. I'm not coming back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and these are things that like, you know, I, I just have to recognize that like, Yes, some of this is like is like me and like my inability to do this as efficiently as other people could, but also a lot of it is just is just the reality of the pandemic. Everybody's mm-hmm. broke, everybody's money's dried up. Like it's just there's there's just not necessarily the audience there for it right at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um so I got to just kind of like figure out other income. But, you know, that said, uh, you know, I I started uh, a business this year i started a podcast this year Mm uh with which is you know has been doing pretty well Mm -hmm. um and you know i did some film work this year i did audio production work this year for the first time um you know did a couple of of shows uh online that kind of stuff that i hadn't done before Mm -hmm. so you know it's like it's there's a lot of a lot of growth and a lot of things that i've tried and that's of course not even counting any of the Strides that I've made in terms of my mental health, Um, especially in the last like probably six to eight weeks, I feel like is when I'm really been kind of starting to feel like myself again and and feel like I'm able to put the amount of time that I would need to to make working for myself succeed. Um, but a big part of it is, is like, I just haven't been able to because I've just, you know, I've, I've been kind of a low energy wreck for, for a lot of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, like that's, um, yeah, I, I I guess where, where I'm kind of, what I'm kind of trying to figure out now is like, so in thinking about the kind of stuff that I could do, um, recognizing that while the more lucrative options that I have, uh, would be things like, like, uh, data analytics, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, it's kind of, it's solitary work. It's kind of lonely. And I just feel like, um, you know, maybe for the next little bit, obviously it doesn't have to be a forever thing, but I just, maybe I want to try out something more people facing, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, you know, be that even if that is like sales or something, but if I'm, if I'm in a position where I care about the product because I can't, I'm just too honest of a person. I couldn't sell something that I didn't, Mm. you know, believe was good myself. Mm. Um, But that said, you know, like there's, there's ways to do sales that don't feel like sleazy pressure tactics. There's, there's a lot of places out there um, Mm. where people come to you and they're they're they have money and they're looking to spend it and they just want to do that in, in the way that makes the most sense for them. And so, you know, that's, that's, I Mm. feel like that kind of stuff I could do well, um, you know, even any kind of like teaching or like um, uh, like tutoring kind of things with certain mm. things, peer support, counseling, that kind of stuff. And these are jobs that I've applied to. Um, but yeah, I just I I feel like, and maybe part of this is because I've been you know pretty lonely in the last year and a half for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that that I feel like I I yeah I I, I don't know that. I feel like I would rather be making less money but be engaging with people more hmm. you know rather than necessarily kind of looking at spreadsheets and emails all day but being compensated better for it i just i i as as much as I do like excel and and databases and all that stuff um it's it's lonely like it's not you're not doing a whole lot of like collaboration and and problem solving and communication with other people mm. um in terms of that like kind of collaboration and stuff. So yeah.
0: Mm. And I think that um, yeah the collaboration piece with ADHD I think is a is can be a big deal. Yeah. I, I just interrupted you You had another thought.
1: No I I was I was just gonna say like uh the, the, the biggest thing kind of this year though is is obviously getting this understanding of myself and sorting things out. Um but then one of the hardest things has been um not not getting hung up on this idea that like because I know now I should be perfect all the time mm. you know like it's it's like uh if 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 mm. if there's if there's a uh, uh, say a rug on the floor in front of your door when you get into your house and like that rug has always been there and you slip on it like you know at some point, you got to figure out, like, "Hey, that rug is there," and remember to like step firmly on the rug so that you don't like fucking slide or whatever. Mm. This is a terrible analogy. Oh no, I just um. did.
0: I just <laughs> did that this morning. I almost tripped over the rug at our front door. So no, this is a good one.
1: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so it's kind of just like paying attention for that rug and 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 recognizing like what the rugs in my life are.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a great one actually because yeah, I mean. You can do that whole thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to step on it and I'm going to like make sure it doesn't, or I'm just going to, you know, first of all, be aware of it. So when it happens, I don't like wipe out or the door doesn't get stuck like it did with me this morning or, (laughs) you know, further down the line, you think I'm going to get one of those little things that you put underneath the rug to hold it in place. Right. Like whatever those are called.
1: Yeah. The little rubber mat things.
0: Yeah. Like, and so like along the process, like to continue with this kind of train of thought, it's like first you have the awareness and yeah, you can't be expected to have it all figured out. in in a year and on top of that, a year like none other in our history, you have to remember that. Like every time I get hard on myself, I have to remember like, wait, um, there's this whole thing that's happening. It deeply affects our psyche. Every part of it, like to have an ongoing crisis like this just is, is, your brain can't cope. Like your brain is like our brains as mammals were used to like running away from things and then everything's fine. And we get on with our, you know, foraging or whatever we were doing. Right. But now it's like our brains are like on high alert constantly. And then we pile on social media so that we understand everything else that's also going on, which is like a whole other level of catastrophe. Right. Um, and so it's, of course you're tired. (laughs) Jesus. Like, yeah, I've been exhausted too. And, um, the medication that I've switched to has helped to some degree with that. I have my, my sod lamp on. Cause it's like, looks like seven o'clock at night here in Vancouver today. Um, <laughs> and it's just, the rain is just nonstop. But um, yeah, it totally makes sense to me that you wouldn't have everything figured out. Um, and that being kind to yourself about it is so important, right? Because yeah, you have done um, so much. And did, did, did you ever do your self-esteem sizzle reel? Cause I never did. Maybe we should do that over the holidays. Uh, I did.
1: um, I put together something for myself. Uh, Yeah, just like a short little kind of. um, I forget what they call Google PowerPoint sheets. No, that's Excel. (laughs) This this has actually come up on. I've had this literal exact same uh, uh, sentence come out of my mouth before. It's like, oh, what's the Google version of PowerPoint? Is it sheets? (laughs) Like literally, (laughs) I'm positive there's an episode where I say that fucking exact thing. (laughs) Anyway, um, but yeah, like like it's 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 frustrating to to know the thing that you gotta do. You you know intellectually that the rug is there, and you know intellectually that when you get home and you open your door, that's still gonna be there and try not to slip on it. And so, you know, if that's like getting frustrated with myself or, or just like ADHD brain shit or not being as organized as I could, it's tough not to, you know, flagellate myself over not nailing this uh, because again, there there's like so much that was kind of quote unquote answered by realizing that i have adhd Mm. that uh, awareness isn't isn't the be-all end-all though i guess is the thing is that awareness is awesome but there's still a lot of awareness is the fucking first thing that's the beginning and there's still so much work that comes after that and that's Mm -hmm. you know um building building that muscle of like we talked about, you know, when, when we hit a, a traumatic spot or whatever or get like a, a something emotional come up, those coping strategies are the first thing to fucking go out the window a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's that's a muscle that the more that you try and build that, eventually you will remember those things when, when your brain starts to spiral or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, to go back to something you were talking about a while ago, you mentioned like um, uh, fight fight flight fawn kind of thing Mm -hmm. with stress responses uh you didn't mention freeze Mm. and i honestly feel like freeze is where i've been in the last year of of just like that's that's been with the depression and stuff with all the stress uh and and anxiety about all these other things the freeze component of it is has been that's just kind of where my baseline that, that that's been my baseline reaction is like something is happening and like it's, it's different and it's probably bad. And so just like, don't fucking move. Don't, don't, don't do anything. Mm. And just like, you know, like, like a predator comes into my line of vision. Like, okay, if I hold perfectly still, this is like a motion sensing, uh, uh, animal and it won't be able to see me. And it's just that of just like, okay, well, uh, the world is dog shit around me. And, uh, I got four rejections from jobs or whatever in my email this morning. So if I just like stay under the blanket, Mm. like, I can't that that stuff can't get me under there, and so that's yeah, more much more so than than fight or flight or fawn. I've been in in freeze mode as like my stress response this year. So yeah.
0: Oh wow, Jordan. Yeah, I'm sorry you're feeling that though. That that's because rejection's like never easy for anybody, but when it's like literally one of the hallmarks of how your brain works is rejection sensitive dysphoria. It makes sense that yeah, you know, would just shut down. And and I've had yeah, those and- days too. Yeah.
1: It's, it's easier for me definitely in the last, like I said, six to eight weeks, I've really been starting to feel like myself again. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, it's it's – I'm, I'm better equipped to deal with that stuff now, uh, but it, it it can still be very overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, just, just everything kind of compounds and then – especially it, – it sounds silly, but like um, I guess now that I'm – now that I've in my mind been like, okay, I need to find work again um, – it's just like, well, so how come somebody hasn't hired me already? Like, I've accepted this <laughs> into my heart that I, like, I need a job. And so, like, how come I don't have one yet? Like- right.
0: <laughs> Why don't I have so- one yet in the middle of a pandemic heading into the Christmas season when everybody just sucks <laughs> off and doesn't answer their email? And everybody's doing their end of year that actually is working full time. So they're all panicked right. and stressed. Plus, you know, in like in BC, flooding. The, like, we're actively cut off from the rest of the country at some parts of the province. It's just messy. Um, and then in Alberta, you're also dealing with Alberta things. <laughs> I don't know how else <laughs> to put it. I'm going to try to be diplomatic there, but like I've yep. I've actually muted a lot of it on my Twitter because I'm like, that's enough of that Kenny guy. I don't I need to know anything more what he's doing. Um, yep. So yeah, it makes sense, like in a way that you're responding the way that you do. Um, but we're also living in a system that, yeah, that demands that we do a certain amount of productive output throughout the day and get paid in order to keep a roof over our heads and fed and all that kind of stuff um have you thought about like pausing or do you do you feel like right now is like you just you need like to get the gig kind of happening and then
1: oh yeah no i need something immediately like i'm i'm gonna sign back up for the temp agency that i signed up with 15 years ago uh Mm. just just to fucking get out and start working just because you know yeah, I d- just just immediate term. Just got to get some money coming in. So
0: yeah, yeah. Um, well, if I think of anything, um, Calgary way, anybody who's looking, I'll definitely hook you up.
1: I appreciate that, but mm. you know what? That's not your. That's not your problem. You don't have to worry about that stuff.
0: Yeah, but that's like that's <laughs> me like the connector. I like connecting. Fair. Um, yes, that's, that's not even true. people that's pleasing. True. I actually really enjoy bringing people together that can help each other. So if something, if I think of something, I will definitely and, the the, yeah. the
1: problem is though is that any job that 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 i might uh, uh, be interested in is like something that you could potentially be after mm. too like mm. I, dude, please 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 don't send me any copy editing or writing jobs uh, <laughs> uh, that you come across <laughs> yeah. even though i would be a fit for them yeah like
0: but <laughs> if they're calgary based like there's no reason that you couldn't yeah
1: no all, all i'm saying though is you know worry about feeding yourself first before me of so. course
0: thank <laughs> you thank you for bringing that up but yeah Um, it's something that, uh, one of my classmates brought up today too, that I think is really interesting. And we talk a lot about work on the show. I know that. And it's because it is just such a huge part of our lives and so hard to find something that works with brains that don't work in the way that most capitalist focused brains work. Um, but she was talking about, um, like hustle culture, right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she is a facilitator and a teacher and she runs her own business and she's, um. And she's also a woman of color. There's a lot of different stuff that has happened, but she's just like, why, why this persistent narrative of like rise and grind, and like that's the only way to have abundance. And so there was a there was a lot of discussion around that today about um, opening up to abundance and not in a. Uh, I'm not using that word anymore. Not in this. Why not? Um, there is problematic and I can't remember exactly what the reason was, but there's something about it that we're not, it's not hmm. good. Um, okay. But, um, it's not uh, flaky or uh, super new agey to, uh, open your body and your mind to uh, abundance. And the woman who was running the workshop today, she had all kinds of things she had to overcome. She used to work in finance and she used to like work herself to the bone. And she was like leasing a car that she couldn't afford and wearing clothes that were like above her pay grade and everything to try and kind Mm -hmm. of like level up. And it just caused her like all this tremendous stress. But when she decided to just stop ripping herself off. And so when I say that, I mean, under invoicing, like, um, or, you know, doing jobs that um, take too much and don't fill up your tank enough. And understandably, like, and I've done this too, like I said earlier, I've worked, i worked in a call center as a, inbound for a little while because I needed money to live and I don't think there's any shame in that
1: Um, no absolutely not
0: but sometimes that is what needs to be done but to also especially when it comes to like the creative things and things that involve your heart and soul to make sure that the invoices that you're sending reflect the effort that went into that and your talent and your skills and everything and that's hard to do when you haven't been taught Mm -hmm. how to do that properly and what like and to know your worth and especially in creatives like over the last 15 years when we've seen the rise of things like content firms and people who were volunteer to write content and like oh I don't know fucking social media right like we've been giving our stuff away for well over a decade now so we're not used to saying actually I made this thing and everything in me went into this so I'd like you to pay me properly for that and like there are people that will say whatever i can just like screenshot something from somebody else's page and use it on my website but that says more about that person than you because there i think there's so many people out there who do have the means to pay and they are actively seeking uh, somebody that um they want to work with and i try to remember that all the time too because Mm -hmm. yeah like even recently i was kind of brought into a conversation with somebody who wanted me to write content for them and the Mm. biggest red flag should have been when There was a couple of them, but one of them was like, okay, so we're going to meet at Sunday at 11 on Zoom. And I was like, Sunday, what? And then I said, yes, anyway. And then I was like, why did I just spend two hours on a call with this woman? And I know everything about her and nothing about my, like, what happened? (laughs) And then, and then the other one was like her asking me to create a Facebook account, even though I said I didn't use it anymore. Mm -mm. Um, No. And then the other was like me writing 500 words about something and not getting compensated for it. And then her asking me to write more without a contract in place. I asked for a contract. They sent me the contract. I think they said they paid net 60 or some shit. So I would have been like three months out from the time I had created something to the time I got paid. And I, so wow. I kind of ghosted them a little bit. I just stopped answering emails. And then eventually they sent me an email saying we've moved in a different direction. But I mean... Come on, man. Like maybe you're making something good and you're actually helping people. But the energy that you're putting out right now is like, you're expecting me to subsidize that for you. Yeah. You want me to support your work because it's meaningful. I'm not a donor. I'm a fucking like, um, what do you call it? I'm a supplier in that context.
1: Yeah. Everybody's being expected to work on spec in any industry, basically. Yeah.
0: Um, on the other hand, there are two different people that I have small ongoing pieces of work that I do. Um, and the agreement, you know, we have contracts and whatever, And that because it's, you know, very a very small amount of work and it's not all that consistent, that's fine. But every single time I send the invoice on the last day of the month and I get an e-transfer the next day. And yeah. that's how it should fucking be, if you ask me, like... And that's part of what we were talking about today, is like the way systems are set up when okay, so contractors sometimes have to wait three to months to get paid. Even in an employment situation, if you have somebody who's not making like the most money or a lot of money, every two weeks doesn't work because the bills need to be paid now. And that's why predatory lenders exist. Because yep. they fucking tap into that and they bankrupt people and they make they cause so much suffering. And I and I tapped into that at one point when I was working at the call center because I was like, fuck. I need groceries and I'm not getting paid yep. until this day and I have to do this. And it, I hated it. Um, and it, you know, it took me a couple cycles to get out of it because then the the interest was so high you had to pay oh, back yeah. right insane. away. Oh right? yeah, insane.
1: Insane. Um, Loan shark numbers. Oh
0: my God. And so like so much of the way systems are set up to pay people are just like awful. And that was the one thing waitressing for 15 years why I stuck with it as long as I did. Cause I knew how cash,
1: in hand, at the end of the cash in
0: hand at the end of the day and I knew exactly how much I was making. Sure. Sometimes I had to pay too much to the house or whatever people stiffed me, but I always left with money in my pocket. Yeah. And that, you know, impacted me in a way. I think I'm still kind of trying to undo, but I also think that's kind of the way it should be, you know, like, especially if somebody is working like this contract gig, um, even, um, you know, artists or whatever that are, like, part of the thing and they're part of the sale and student artists are, like, selling something and, you know, the trunk goes to the gallery or whatever, pay them out. Don't fucking make them wait. Like, why is the artist, like, paying your light bill? What the fuck? Yeah. Like, I I just, yeah, that stuff just really gets a bee in my bonnet. Well,
1: it's like I gotta assume that the invoices that that company sends out aren't net sixty. I assume that they're not like, oh, yeah, fucking take two months to pay me uh, to to whoever they're selling their services to, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, come on. (laughs) Although, Mm -hmm. to to be fair, so I had actually the opposite experience of that with that audio production work I mentioned Mm. where they were like, yeah, it's like net 30. And I was like, yeah, okay. And they paid me in a day and a half after I completed the work. So, like, I'm not mad about that at all. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) both those contracts I have is the same. It's like net 30, but they always pay, like, within a week. Like, and that's, I think just that's just something, just in case something, but... Mm-hmm. But that's standard. Mm-hmm. But, um, I know that Roxanne Gay did something about that because I saw it on Twitter not that long ago. She was screaming and yelling about, um, I think it was Hearst magazines or one of the big magazines mm. uh, in the States. And they, I think it was net 60 or something, maybe even more than that. And she started screaming and yelling about it. And she's got enough of a voice that they overhauled that. And then it's like net zero. So you right. you know you go through the whole editorial process, which in magazines can stretch on for months, and then you got to yeah. wait again. Like God, that's terrible. So they, she she did something about that. I think that's pretty cool. The more people. Yeah, are it about it that. should
1: be that the second the second that work is published online or in print, that's when you pay for the piece. Or if it gets killed, you pay the kill fee or whatever. Yeah. But yeah.
0: yeah. I remember when I did a piece for Avenue, it was like more than six months from the time I was commissioned to do it until I got a check in the mail. And I had followed up four times at that point. It's just fucking stupid. Um, you know, <laughs> that's one of the reasons I got, I, did, I just couldn't do magazine writing. Cause I was just like, I don't, I can't wait that long. Yeah. No.
1: So I actually wanted to come back to something that, uh, you were kind of saying at the top of this, mm-hmm. um, about money. Um, so, so, yeah, uh not not just a people pleasing thing, but there's particularly a tendency in the creative industries mm-hmm. to feel like um feel guilty or somehow not like a real artist uh for getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um and, and you know, this so I feel like there's maybe a bit of a generational shift between uh Gen X, late millennials, and like, you know, the current generation. Um the idea of like selling out was a big thing for your generation and certainly mine, especially being part of like underground subcultures and all that kind of stuff it's like nope show's got to be five bucks and and uh if you sell fucking more than a thousand records you're like a shitty person and it's like (laughs) well, that doesn't make any sense but anyway i i I kind of like i've only really figured out what bothered me about that uh uh kind of more recently and that was kind of like um so so taylor swift re-released a couple of her albums and is doing so and they're, they're she's doing this like taylor's version thing where apparently as i understand it she re-recorded some of her old material so that she now has the mechanical rights mm. to it and can collect royalties because these were records under contract who were old label and she didn't make the rates that she would like and blah 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 but she was like obligated under the contract so anyway um i was listening to a friend's podcast the other day and he was kind of like talking about this taylor swift thing and like and he was just like, it just seems like greed to me. And I was just like, what the fuck, man? Like, like, I, I, it, it's such a weird reaction to me, even though even though that, that is a rich person. It's the same thing as when people talk about like, oh, well, fucking uh, uh, NBA players are so greedy or whatever. And I can't believe there's like a player strike and, and they're so greedy. And it's like, they, they are making a lot of money. But relative to the owners and the people at the top of the systems, be they the record label bosses or the team owners or whatever, mm. they' they're not making a pittance, but they're making 10% of, of what these people make. Mm. And so it's like the the, the, the the people who are in the the disadvantaged position are the greedy ones? Like, fuck off. That is totally insane. Mm. And, and again,'m I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that there has been, this shift and and part of that unfortunately is from necessity nobody's getting mechanicals anymore because nobody buys records Mm -hmm. so the way that that musicians make money is touring and syncs like audio placement in film tv commercials all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and yeah there's there's so much more acceptance around doing commercial spots and stuff right now uh amongst younger musicians because they realize that like well guess what you're not fucking eating otherwise because mm-hmm. like no one's paying for music anymore like no one's buying albums anymore generally mm-hmm. and spotify is 0. 0.007 cents 0007 uh, a stream or whatever so
0: yeah
1: yeah um i'm just i'm just glad that this like yeah this the this selling out idea is kind of like hopefully getting going to the wayside a little bit in the creative arts where it's like you know um no, it's important to pay people for the labor that they're doing, even in the creative fields, mm-hmm. because, again, if you don't, that is just like with Hearst magazines, for example, how you end up with a, a totally demographically uh, identical group of writers is because they're all going to be people who are from rich enough privileged backgrounds that they can afford not to work for three to six months at Hearst. Or they can afford to be like, oh yeah, no, 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 I'm not going to like sell out. I will totally do a bunch of work producing your album or or helping with your film or whatever for free because like getting paid is bad. (laughs) But at the same time, like, you know... My my landlord is never going to call me and be like, "Hey, I was thinking, and like, I feel like a bit of a sellout collecting all this money from you." So I'm just going to chill this month. Like you you can just right. like stay there this month, just like on me. Like that that phone call is never fucking coming. Right. So like I gotta I gotta figure out a way to put to put money in my own hands. So mm. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I appreciate you saying all that, Jordan. Because yeah, it's um. And that's, you know, I rail about the system all the time, but those with the means and the money are the ones that manufacture that narrative, you know, and they they make it seem as though people that are just requesting the bare bones basics are the greedy ones, but that's not true. And I think more and more people are starting to understand that. I think there was an article in the Thai, like last week or something about the fact that people are starting to wake up that, you know, being part of that, like, gazillionaire's club is not something to aspire to because these are not people Mm. that are behaving well and they're not they're not (laughs) um considering the larger world in their decision making right um and so they can go on and on about an amazon worker being greedy because they just want a living fucking wage and a bathroom break but i think more people are starting to realize wait a minute that's obscene and it has been obscene for a really long time and really damaging and exploitive um And so, I mean, my only hope, one of my many hopes, actually, for this kind of time in our world is that people really wake up to that. And, yeah, I mean, my partner is an artist, and I will say he teaches me all the time, like, don't fuck around. Like, like somebody called and asked him at one point, he was part of a group show, and I think the gallerist said, oh, you know, I have a buyer. They're just wondering if you would take this amount. He was like, no, that's the amount. This is my work. Like, this is what I do. And no thank you and sure enough like he sold it to somebody else like for the price that it you know should have been yeah. it's like a, in the permanent collection at the vancouver Art gallery right now he, he, nice. he fucking him right like so yeah i think that um it's nice to kind of see him in action in that way because he's um been doing it for a long time but he doesn't he doesn't mess around and if people haven't paid an invoice like within a very short period of time they're getting emails <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't wait. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned from people that have finally kind of like, looked at the way the systems are set up and said, Oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm not really in a financial position to volunteer. Yes. And some people have asked me that over time too. like, somebody asked me a little while ago, if I would teach a class on something. And I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool. And so what's the rate? And she was like, Oh, we're all volunteers. And I was like, Well, this was nice. Thanks for being nice to meet you. <laughs>
1: like,
0: fuck off. Like you're not you're asking me to do all this prep and like create a whole program. And you nothing? Not you're not even buying my coffee? <laughs> Jesus. No. Anyway, I didn't intend for our conversation today to be the way that it did, but that often happens with you and I, Jordan Lane. We just started a good one though. Yeah. You know,
1: we, we, it was, it was a good catch up, a good little kind of like, uh, yeah, where, where we've been this last year, where we're going this next year. Mm. Um, and yeah. And, and, and I feel like, uh, yeah, it was, it was, nice to catch up, get some kind of stuff out of my head and, and off my chest and hopefully it was same for you. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. If I didn't have to go to the washroom so bad and see the doctor this afternoon, I'd, I'd go a <laughs> little bit longer, but yeah, bio break time. Um, is there anything else that we missed that we want to kind of add on, or we can just say thanks to everybody? And maybe we'll try to record next week so that we're kind of tying up any loose ends that we had today. I,
1: I would, I would like, I would like to get back to back to weekly if we can. Yeah. Um, I feel like you know bi is not bad. I don't like to go three weeks without an episode. Yeah,
0: it was a little, it was a little uh, too long. The, yeah,
1: it's a totally artificial pressure I'm creating, uh, for myself here. But I just I arbitrarily don't like longer than two weeks. <laughs>
0: no that's reasonable so, yeah. yeah um yeah because then we're kind of like stacking on a little too much um and i'm gonna follow up too to see what's going on with mr gabber mate see when he can be on oh yes cool. um, which is supposed to be in january um and you know just as always like if, if folks have some ideas or thoughts they want to share like what they've been learning over the last year as they're listening along or like and your own experience too like i would just love to hear them i think we both would you know, however you want to do yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Email, call in, leave us a voicemail. I love listening to your voices when you call in, by Me the way. Me too.
1: And speaking of emails, um, I should say that uh I feel like we owe a couple people emails. Oh, we do. Um yeah. so if, if you if you have sent us uh Robbie or I or the the Gmail address um DMs, messages in the last couple months and you haven't got a response yet, uh it's because we're very forgetful and honestly Two people with ADHD trying to share a co-managed account like that, I feel like maybe we need to get a little bit, like, okay, you're doing it this week, I'm doing it this week, so that this stuff doesn't slip under the rug anymore. Mm. So anyway, if we, if we, I'm not going to say owe you an email, because in the nicest, I mean this in the nicest possible way, Robbie and I don't owe you shit. Uh, <laughs> That's that it's, it's important for us to set those boundaries like that. Um, but but if if you have sent us a, a nice message and you haven't received a response yet, uh, rest assured it's not because we aren't grateful for that or because we don't like you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, yeah, it's just because like I literally would look at it and go, "Okay, yeah, I'm going to answer that." And then Twitter would happen or some stuff. And
1: Or or you know, it's just like, "Yeah, I'll answer that tomorrow." And then tomorrow happens and you get busy and you forget. And suddenly it's 3 weeks later and you're like, "Oh, wow. Uh this person like poured their heart into this lovely email and I can't even be bothered to respond." And and then you know, so that all that stuff, of course, compounds and like, well, I look like a dick now so I can't respond and then the more you leave that, the bigger of a dickhead you look like. So anyway, all that is to say apologies for any dick vibes we might have given off. They were purely unintentional. Mm. And uh and and you know, hopefully you'll be hearing from us real soon. Yeah. And <laughs> do
0: we have some folks to thank too? Do you happen to have the list We
1: absolutely here? do. Um we have uh we, we got 10 patrons on patreon.com now. Patreon.com slash holy shit I have ADHD. Another thing where I need to maybe uh, uh get a little bit uh caught up on um mm-hmm getting some stuff on there. But anyway, we would like to thank these 10 people who are helping us to uh, put the podcast out every one to three weeks. (laughs) Uh, Brianna, Paige, Jill, Dave, Lindsay, Thomas, Carla, Grace, and a couple of new people whose names I don't think we have met, uh, read, excuse me. Um, there is Sparkamedes, uh, I assume that's not their given name. Um, and also Yellow XJ, who, uh, was a recent Instagram follower of ours too, mm. and I believe is a Jeep. Uh, that, that is a Jeep. yes,
0: it's a big yellow Jeep, <laughs> who leaves lovely comments from time to time.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, again, if you would like to join their ranks, uh, you're not getting much more of it other than uh, knowing that you're helping us to put the podcast out at this point, but we are also grateful for that. Um, and you can do that over at patreon.com slash holy shit, I have ADHD.
0: And on that note, we'll see y'all soon.
1: If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, Subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media.
0: A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now, and hyper-focus on the positive.